Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Just before we get to our guest today, I'd like to say that if you think our podcast is of value, and if you'd like us to continue doing these podcasts, then please consider making a donation to help us out. Go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, go to the donate page, and make a contribution, either a one-time contribution or a monthly contribution for as little as $3 a month. And for those who have contributed so far, we say thank you. We have a fascinating guest for you today. In fact, all our guests who use medical cannabis are fascinating, but wait until you hear this story, and then if you don't believe in medical cannabis, this man's story will make you a believer and change your mind. In 2010, he was diagnosed with diabetes, hepatitis C, possible liver cancer, congestive heart failure, and internal bleeding. Joining us to tell his remarkable story is Peter O'Toole from the state of Michigan in the United States. He's affectionately known as Uncle Pete, so that's what we'll call him. Uncle Pete, good of you to join us. Thanks very much for this. Thank you for having me. Now, with all the ailments you were experiencing, you must have felt awful for quite some time. Tell us about your health prior to using cannabis oil. Well, I'd been uh, I'd been down and out pretty sick for a couple years uh, previous to my diagnosis. I did not have health insurance at the time, uh, so uh, access to doctors was limited pretty much to uh, trips to the emergency room, uh, which there were several trips. Uh, I kept having uh, repeated uh, episodes, we'll call them, uh, where I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, I'd go in, they'd check my heart, and everything would come back okay, and they'd send me home. Well, with hindsight, uh, there was a lot of other things going on that, that we weren't aware, uh, aware of. Uh, so after multiple trips to the ER, uh, I finally, out of desperation, had consulted with some close friends of mine who uh, uh, concluded that it was very likely I had diabetes. Uh, so we checked my blood sugar. My blood sugar was extremely high at the time. It was in the 600s. Uh, so that qualified me to go to the emergency room and, uh, of course, be admitted to the hospital. Uh, so upon being admitted to the hospital, they ran uh, uh, a variety of tests, uh, which uh, came to the conclusion within uh, uh, probably 24-hour period of time, 48-hour period of time, a group of doctors came into my room after running all these tests, uh, and that was when I received these uh, multiple diagnoses all on the same day. Uh, they told me I was experiencing congestive heart failure. My liver was swelled up to uh, quite a bit larger than what it should be. Uh, I had some internal bleeding going on. They believed I had uh, liver cancer, and they also discovered that I had hepatitis C. Uh, and then after doing an interview and, and some uh, further discovery, we figured out that I had had hepatitis C since I was 18 years old, where I'd gotten in a blood transfusion from a car accident. So all of these things contributed to uh, the poor health that I was experiencing, of course. But then comes the, uh, you know, the diagnosis was rough to swallow, but then comes the prognosis or the medical plan. And that started with uh, surgery on my liver 
that was going to end with uh, likely removing part of my liver and or any cancer that they find, and then a possibility of waking up with a colostomy bag for the rest of my life. Uh, they were going to follow that up with 18 months of chemotherapy and a few other things that I really wasn't willing to participate in. Uh, and it was out of that desperation that uh, I, I turned to an alternative uh, uh, way of doing things, you know, and, and, and found cannabis oil. Uh, now, I had already heard of cannabis oil, but I had never seen it or held it in my hands or, or experienced, had any experience with it. But uh, a friend of a friend had Hodgkin's lymphoma for about 13 years, and he was uh, successful in treating his Hodgkin's lymphoma with the cannabis oil, so I contacted him. Uh, so that's what led up to my uh, uh, making of my first batch of cannabis oil, I guess. After the doctors told you what they wanted to do, and you told them you weren't going to do it, what was their response? Well, you know, they had scheduled me for surgery, and uh, uh, I just called up on the morning of the surgery, the, the morning before, the uh, before, uh, and told them that I wasn't going to be uh, wasn't going to be participating. And from that point forward. Uh, I didn't return to the doctors for oh probably eighteen months or so. I stayed away from them. I was I was pretty scared, but uh, more importantly, uh, I had started the cannabis oil. And within the first couple of weeks of taking the cannabis oil, my liver went back down to normal size. Uh, my liver enzymes came back down to normal. Uh, my diabetes, my sugar, my blood sugar came back down to normal. Uh, everything started falling into place, and I started feeling real good. You know, if it's not broke, you don't fix it kind of an attitude, I guess. Mm -hmm. So you put two and two together and, and thought, this cannabis oil really works for me, and I'm going to pursue this. Uh, do you still take it today? I do. I do. Well, and, you know, alongside myself, uh, from the very first batch, I used to host an event called Cannabis Camp. Uh, and it was just a gathering of uh, like-minded individuals, fellow medical marijuana uh, patients and caregivers. And uh, But long story short, I made my first batch of oil at Cannabis Camp, and I shared that oil with uh, some of the other members of uh, there at Cannabis Camp. From that point forward, every batch we made for the first, oh, I don't know, uh, several months, we'll say, uh, we did it at this event where uh, many of us would contribute or, or donate to the pot, so to speak, and uh, we'd make a large batch of oil, and we'd give it out to everybody that was present. The point of this is is that I was not only gaining this experience with myself and seeing what the oil was doing for me, uh, but I was seeing what it was doing for all these other people that I was uh, uh, had firsthand experience with as well. Uh, and that varied from uh, people getting up out of wheelchairs and, and walking to uh, uh, people no longer needing their insulin pumps that they'd been on for, for years to uh, glaucoma patients uh, regaining vision. Uh, right on down the line, things that were just absolutely blowing my mind. To me, I was witnessing miracle after miracle after miracle uh, because of my lack of experience and understanding of what was really going on there. Um, but uh, so with every every one of these experiences, I gained more and more faith and more and more concrete evidence that this stuff, you know, it's not just a fluke. It's not just, uh, you know, it, it's working and not just for me. So it, it, it built my confidence, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned some of the people who have taken uh, cannabis oil and have made remarkable recoveries. We interviewed a gentleman from Ontario, not too far from you, who was paralyzed from the neck down with multiple sclerosis and needed someone to feed him. And one day, uh, a friend of his was smoking a joint, and he says, why don't you try this? And so he took a couple of puffs, and he said within three minutes, he could feel relief. 
and he started using uh, cannabis on a regular basis, and now he plays in a rock band. And he says he doesn't wow. he doesn't have feeling in his hands like you and I do, and in his feet they they feel numb, but he still can function as a normal human being with this numbness compared to what he was before in a wheelchair and having someone feed him. It's just absolutely remarkable. Yeah, well, and, you know, especially with MS, you know, it's been proven for so long. Uh, some of the earliest patients that were accepted by the United States federal government and their uh, medical marijuana program years ago, as far back as the 70s, uh, were MS patients. Uh, a very close friend of mine, uh, Renee Wolf, uh, who passed away a few years back, uh, was the very first medical marijuana patient in the state of Michigan, and she was one of those federal patients that was studied. But remarkable, uh, story after story after story, remarkable stories uh, with success against MS. Uh, and MS is, uh, you know, there are lesions in the brain that are, that are at the core of, of the cause of this MS. And for uh, uh, whatever reason, you know, we have a lot of success with things like brain tumors and lesions and, and things that are that are based in the brain. Uh, uh, and I think it's because of the ability of cannabis oil to uh, penetrate the blood-brain barrier and get to the brain. You know, we know that it's psychoactive. We know that it's going into the brain already. Uh, so to uh, uh, accept the fact that there's some medicinal qualities that are that are going with it isn't isn't too far of a stretch. You know, Pete, could I get you to uh, share the story of Amy Joe? Because that just reminded me listening to this, Amy Joe Clark. Yeah, absolutely. So many, so many stories come to come to mind when we start talking about this stuff. But Amy Jo uh, is a very special lady. She was one of the ones that I shared that very first batch of oil uh, with, and uh, she was uh, at the time she had a tumor in her brain. Uh, it was her second round with this tumor in the brain. They had uh, been successful removing or getting rid of it before, uh, but it had come back. Uh, she had also been run over by a Hilo. Uh, she was in Walmart, and somebody that was driving the Hilo, stocking the shelves or something, actually backed over her uh, from head to toe, from her, the tip of her toe all the way up to her shoulder on the one side of her body. Uh, so she was uh, in a wheelchair uh, 90% of the time. Uh, she could get up and, and walk very short distances with uh, assistance and that kind of thing. Uh, she had what they told her was permanent nerve damage where she'd never lift her right arm over, over her head again, uh, things of this nature. We made that first batch of oil at cannabis camp, and we had another event. I believe it was three weeks later. And uh, this is a moment I'll never forget. Uh, I was standing there at cannabis camp and uh, with my uh, uh, partner at the time and a few good friends, you know, uh, big, tough, grown men uh, like myself or so like we like to call ourselves. So uh, Amy Jo pulls in uh, to cannabis camp, and she probably pulled in, and she was across the field. It was probably 200 feet away, 300 feet away. Uh, and she gets out of the car, and she's there with her uh, her family. Uh, and she gets out, and she's standing, and she starts walking towards me. Uh, and the whole time, she's saying, Uncle Pete, Uncle Pete. And I look over there, and she's uh, raising the roof. She's pumping her arms up and down over her head. And she proceeds to walk that entire two, three hundred feet over to me and give me a big hug. Now, by the time she got there, of course, I had tears streaming down my cheeks, and so did all these big, tough guys that were standing there with me. We absolutely could not believe uh, our eyes. We had just met this woman the weekend before. Uh, she was very crippled. We uh, helped her all weekend long at a campground uh, of all places. Uh, you know, we went canoeing with her. We did all kinds of things. So we were pretty familiar with her. 
so-called permanent damage. And uh, uh, to see so much of it reversed in such a short time was just mind-blowing because, uh, like I said, it was our first batch of oil. We hadn't seen these things before. Uh, after you witness things like this over and over and over and over and over again, it, you know, you, you end up being like Corey and I, I guess. It's hard to shut up about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember th- that video of Amy Joe was one of the first videos I saw when I realized there were actually other people in the world using cannabis oil trying to save their lives besides myself. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't that long ago. There wasn't uh, such a network or, or so many people uh, out there to contact and to share the experience and to uh, to see this thing in the way that it's exploded since those days, Corey, and, and to know that we've had a, a firsthand role in that, I guess, is, is our claim to fame, so to speak, I guess. Yeah. But uh, more important, uh, you know, that uh, we've come a long way. You know, there, there's a long way to go, but we've come a long way. Uh, back then, uh, you know, Phoenix Tears was the only website I could find with uh, information on it. And I was blessed enough to be in direct contact with first Heinrich uh, Bayer there for a while and then uh, directly with Rick and, of course, Janet and Bob and, and, and on down the line. But uh, these are the people that I was talking to on a daily basis. when I was making my first batches of oil and, and treating myself. It wasn't an easy find. You know, I had thousands of hours into uh, uh, making contact with anybody that had uh, firsthand information or experience with this stuff. So uh, it's wonderful to see uh, so many other folks putting themselves out there and spending their time like you folks are to uh, spread that word, you know. Now, uh, Corey and Pete, do you either one of you remember your very first batch of oil you made and some of the mistakes you made along the way? What mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember my first batch. Absolutely, I do. Um, um, I only had a little bit of cannabis, um, and there was uh, three or four of us, and we had all watched the video numerous times, and then we had a printout of the instructions. Each of us had a printout, and mm-hmm. uh, we just took it step by step. And, uh, yeah, I was pretty freaked out that I was going to screw it up or explode, but I didn't do either, so... What about you, Pete? You know, the the first mistake that comes to mind uh, would be we used a permanent coffee filter instead of a paper coffee filter for filtering. Uh, So the result is that you get uh, a lower quality oil. You get a lot more uh, plant uh, material and uh, waxes and uh, things of this nature. Uh, So you get a lower quality oil. You know, with that being said, uh, from the very beginning, uh, there was no doubt that I used the uh, the best starting material that I could find. Uh, I applied the best process to the best of my ability that I knew uh, at the time, and I put a sincere effort in. So, uh, you know, so I guess, you know, there's no real mistakes as long as you're making uh, uh, an honest effort, do the best that you can. Uh, and to this day, we continue to evolve with our process. Uh, and to keep an open mind and learning new things, to uh, we've come a long way. You know, uh, some of the first things that well, I guess I've you know more than answered that question. But uh, you know, there's uh, some very simple things that you can do, and that most oil makers will concur on is as you evolve uh, to improve your quality. I know Corey's answer to this question, uh, but I want to ask you: Would you be alive today, Pete, if it wasn't for cannabis oil? Absolutely not. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that cannabis oil saved my life. It's just a matter of fact. You know, one of the things that I find uh, remarkable in this, and I guess I'm uh, I'm a victim of this too, and I don't want to use that term victim, but uh, 
when you help someone and you save someone's life, they tell you they saved someone's life. And Corey, remember when we were on commercial radio and that woman sent in the emails? She was yeah. with, with her daughter in uh, um, Ontario in uh, ICU. She was in ICU and she listened to our interview on the radio and she started giving her daughter cannabis oil and it saved her life. Yeah, the and daughter wasn't supposed to live. A, they said she probably had a week. Probably had a week. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and that uh, really grabbed me emotionally. And I know, Corey, it does with you because yeah. you've been doing this for about five years now without any compensation at all. And uh, Pete, are you in the same boat? Once you help someone and you see their recovery, it just it grips you, and you want to continue doing it. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it becomes an addiction. Uh, uh, you become obsessed with it. You know, and then uh, uh, the opposite of that is you get overwhelmed with it at times as, as well. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, when you're the type of person that Corey or myself are, that there's a little piece of you that goes uh, with every one of these patients uh, when we lose them or. Uh, when things don't go so well and, and so on, you know. Pete, uh, um, would you, sorry to interrupt. Would you be willing to share the story? Because I want people to get, a first of all, a sense of who you are, because you are an amazing man. Um, would you share the story of how you flew out? I think it was like in the middle of the night, you flew wherever it was where there was that young child and uh, gave that mother comfort and was able to help that young child pass with some comfort. It's probably one of the stories that I tell the least. It's uh, probably one of the most profound experiences I've had with cannabis oil. Quasi was the young man's name. Uh, Quasi had brain cancer. I don't know how old he was. I want to say he was about 10, maybe a little younger. I think he was a little younger. Yeah, seven, eight, seven 10, or somewhere eight. in there. Yeah. yeah. So I was in Colorado. Uh, on a different trip, when I had met Quasi and his mother, uh, I was at a place uh, that served as a hospitality house for uh, what we call cannabis uh, refugees, people that moved to, to Colorado to receive cannabis oil treatment because they were from places uh, where it wasn't legal and such. So I went there to meet somebody else, and uh, we had met Quasi and, and, his, and his mother. Uh, maybe his, I don't think I met his father on that trip. But anyway, we shared some of our experience. And then I continued on with, uh, you know, some Facebook messages and stuff like that with the mom over the next couple of weeks. So fast forward to uh, the story that, that uh, Corey's speaking of. And he had regressed. He'd been, uh, uh, been put on hospice. Uh, they expected him to pass away very soon uh, at this time. Uh, he was laying in bed fidgeting uh, constantly, picking at his skin, doing some of the things that are pretty normal uh, when we're getting ready to die. Uh, but most importantly, he was very, very uncomfortable, uh, moaning and groaning and, and things of this nature. Mom had been laying in his bed uh, with him for days, uh, literally, and such. So she contacted me out of desperation. Uh, and at this time, it wasn't uh, to uh, necessarily save him, but just to help. And uh, I was in Michigan. She was in Colorado. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and she said, Uncle Pete, you're the only one in the world I think that can help. Uh, so she explained what was going on. Uh, I've had quite a bit of experience with hospice and people dying. Uh, I was responsible for hospice care with both my parents and so on and so forth. So I uh, immediately went and I made a batch of oil. I went out in my garage and I made a specific batch of oil for Quasi. Uh, meanwhile, my wife made arrangements uh, for a flight. Uh, my partner, uh, the co-founder of Seed to Cure, Jennifer Cook, 
uh, and I uh, proceeded to uh, drive from here in northern Michigan to Chicago. Illinois is where we picked up a flight, and we flew out to Colorado and uh, Denver, got a rental car, and went up into the mountains to where this house was. Uh, so I was there within, I think, 20 hours after I spoke to her at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was there the next day. So I walked in. Uh, Mom was there. Dad was there. Uh, brother was there. Uh, and a few other people. And the house is just, you know, full of stress. You can just feel it in the air. Uh, I go in and see Quasi. He's uh, uh, writhing in pain, it seems. He's very uncomfortable. Mom's laying in bed with him. His oxygen level uh, saturation is like in the 70s, I believe. Uh, so on and so forth. So uh, immediately uh, I gave Quasi a, a full gram of oil, which is a very heavy dose for a child. And uh, I turned up the oxygen on his oxygen machine. We're like four or five, six thousand feet in the air. Uh, his oxygen level was so low, there's no question that that was help, you know, contributing to his, uh, his comfort level. Uh, so I cranked up his oxygen level, gave him that oil, sat the family down, was able to, to have a little bit of a conversation with him. Uh, within a half an hour, Quasi was calming down. He stopped uh, pulling at his skin. He started, uh, his body started relaxing. He laid down, you know, straight up and down for the first time in days. He had been clenched right up in the fetal position and things like that for, for uh, a long time before that. So the result was uh, mom was able to relax. Uh, she was able to get up, take a shower for the first time in days, use the uh, bathroom, things of that nature. Uh, dad was no longer pacing the floors from one end of the house to the other. Uh, the brother that had himself locked in the bedroom and didn't want to talk to anybody about anything, uh, was out at the table sitting with us. Uh, so the whole energy of the house went from, uh, uh kind of frantic to, to very, very calm. Uh, so every couple hours, I believe it was every two hours, we proceeded to give Quasi a pretty heavy dose of oil. And I don't remember the exact dose, but it was heavy. And we kept him in what we call... Uh, well, through this experience, what we learned to refer to as like a cannabis coma. You know, we just kept him on that level, knocked out uh, the really, really high state of mind, you know. Uh, and he didn't wake up again. He stayed in that calm state of mind. His breathing was smoothed right out. Uh, and we were able to leave. Uh, we knew that things were getting close to the end. Uh, so Jennifer and I decided to leave, and I think it was within 12 hours that uh, that child passed away. Uh, but the result was uh, they were able to stop using the morphine, the Ativan, the, uh, all the standard things and tools that hospice were using uh, that weren't working. Uh, they were able to get out of the system, and he was able to die in peace with a family that was in peace. Uh, and to uh, see the role firsthand that cannabis oil was able to play in that was, uh, uh, was pretty magnificent. Wow, what a story. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine you've got a number of stories like that, but uh, many of them with a much happier ending, like the uh, the Amy Joe story. When you when you talked about uh, her uh, with a brain tumor and being uh, run over, and uh, was it within a week that uh, from taking her first dose of cannabis oil that she got out of the car and started walking towards you? Three weeks. Three weeks. Ah, okay. Yep. Three weeks. It's yeah, we had an event. That was where we made the oil and we shared it. Uh, and she went home for a three-week period of time uh, and came to the next event. And uh, that was when I saw her. Uh, 
so that's how far she had pro- progressed in that three week period. You know. So, Pete, in your experience, what would you say is the easiest in in quotations uh, cancer to uh, get rid of? You know, uh, right off the bat, I would say leukemia. It seems like the uh, blood-based or blood-borne, uh, I don't know the proper term for that, but that's the way that I word it, uh, cancers uh, seem to be the fastest to uh, uh, react, uh, to improve. You know, the, the people with leukemia seem to improve the fastest uh, versus some of the other cancers. We seem to have a lot of success with uh, brain cancers. Uh, recently, I've had a lot of success with lung cancers, uh, which a few years ago, it, it seemed to be a lot more of a challenge. And I don't know exactly what's different with the, the lung cancer patients we're dealing with now versus then. In a nutshell, I would say leukemia and the other uh, bloodborne uh, uh, cancers. And then uh, the ones that seem to take the longest are the ones that have the hardened tumors that are growing uh, on organs like liver cancer, pancreatic cancer, uh, things of that nature, you know, and I believe that's because it takes that, uh, the body a lot longer to break those down, you know, to win the battle. Corey, let me ask you the same question. What uh, do you find in your experience over the last five years, the easiest cancer to deal with? Um, leukemias, definitely. So it was interesting to hear Pete say that. And, um, lung cancers, believe it or not, stage three, stage four lung cancers. I've seen tons of success with. Yeah, we were talking about that last night yeah. and lung cancer. And you were also saying that suppositories work best for lung cancer. Well, that's what I've seen. Yeah, suppositories. People with lung cancer do very well with suppositories. Do you have any experience uh, with that, Pete? You know, I've never done suppositories personally, but we've had a lot of patients that have. Uh, and uh, I don't have any explanation as to why it works well for some and not for others or uh, why oral ingestion would be better for this or, or suppositories would be better for that. Trying to make any rhyme or reason out of it is difficult. Um, but I don't I don't think I could go as far as to say that uh, they're reciprocal. You know, I don't think that uh, one, if one would work, the other one would work. And I don't know uh, how to elaborate on that if you, you understand what I'm saying at all. Mm-hmm. There, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There doesn't there doesn't really seem to be a common denominator about why suppositories work for some stuff and not for others. I mean, it seems to be a really mixed um, jumbo type thing. I spoke with uh, a fellow in uh, Manchester this morning who helps a lot of people there, and he was saying, you know, he just can't figure it out with suppositories. Some people do great, and you can take the same person or the same type of ailment on another person and only have marginal success. And so we still haven't found the real key. But we're we're making progress. Well, I got to believe it's got something to do with the, the way that the body's absorbing it there, you know. Uh, and to, to to put it real simple, you know, if, if one guy does a suppository, he may not get high at all. The next guy could do a, the same suppository and get as high as could be. Uh, and not that it's all about getting high or not, but when when somebody has that effect, we know that we've hit the receptors or our body has absorbed that medication. Uh, why one person would absorb it differently uh, with a suppository versus the next, I really don't know. But uh, I got to believe it's something to do with absorption. You know, Pete, I want to ask you a question. You mentioned glaucoma earlier, and I have a friend who I worked with about uh, 30 years ago who is has glaucoma, and he's almost totally blind now. And he suffers also from depression, and Corey knows him. And when I mm-hmm. when I asked him. Which he would prefer, blindness or depression? And he chose blindness because he says depression is horrible. He got um, 
some cannabis tincture from a, a licensed producer uh, in Canada, and he took too much, and that freaked him out. And he's been reluctant to take anything since. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts as to how we can proceed with this and help him out. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite stories is about glaucoma, but I'll save that uh, and, and answer your question directly. Uh, I would recommend an infused coconut oil recipe for that on our website, seedtocure.org. And the infused coconut oil, uh, we use uh, a pressure cooker, coconut oil, and uh, trim, close trim from the cannabis plant. Uh, one ounce of trim, one pint of coconut oil, you cook it in a pressure cooker for an hour and a half. Uh, you filter out all the plant material and you separate the water from the oil uh, is the short version. But what we end up with is a cannabis-infused coconut oil. Uh, and when you follow our recipe to a T, it only it comes out 50% activated or 50% decarboxylated, um, which is two different ways of saying the same thing. Uh, so when it's only 50% activated, the activated form of THC uh, is the psychoactive part. When it's in its raw form or before we add heat to it, uh, it's in an acid form, a THCA. Now, the THCA is not psychoactive. In other words, it doesn't get us high. So when we make this infused coconut oil, we've got two things going on. Number one, it's a low dose. Uh, we're talking about between 20 and 30 milligrams of THC, and then only half of that is activated. People that are a little more sensitive or people that uh, don't require very high doses, and glaucoma is usually one of those cases, uh, uh, this can be a good way to... Uh, uh, manage a low dose uh, without the, the fear of, of going overboard. Uh, because unfortunately, there's a lot of people just like him uh, who their first experience or one of their early experiences with cannabis uh, concentrate of any kind uh, kind of knocks them off the rocker, so to speak, or hits them too heavy. Uh, and it scares him away. Yeah, this uh, is this is what's going on with him. He's very afraid to try it again. And this was his very first time doing it when this happened. So it was like... He said he thought he was really scared he was going to jump off the balcony. He just was freaked right out of his mind. My uh, partner at cannabis camp, Joel Knorr, uh, my best friend growing up, uh, he had a mother-in-law, and actually it was his ex-mother-in-law at the time. And, uh, they, you know, he didn't get along with his ex-wife, and his ex-mother-in-law wasn't his favorite person in the world either, but she had contacted him. Uh, and she had severe glaucoma. Uh, and was going blind, nearly blind. And they were in the process of moving her out of her house and into her daughter's house so that she could take care of her. Uh, and she was being hospitalized like once or twice a month because the pressure behind her eyes would be so great uh, that it would cause migraines and severe pain and, you know, uh, real problems. Uh, he ended up donating some uh, cannabis-infused coconut oil capsules to her. Within the first three days, she took one per day for the first three days. She had an eye appointment. She was going to the eye doctor every week at the time or every two weeks. Uh, her regular pressure behind her eye was uh, extremely high. I don't remember the number right now, but I want to say that normal ocular pressure uh, is like between 7 and 11 of whatever units they use. And we'll say hers was like a 30. Uh, so she took a capsule a day for three days. She goes back to the eye doctor. Uh, the first thing they do is check the pressure, and it's back down to the normal range, whatever that might have been. So we'll say it was a 10. Uh, so the doctor's shocked because she has never tested that low for ocular pressure. So he pulls out the eye chart, and lo and behold, she's no longer going blind. She's actually improved by two rows of letters that she can now read. 
So fast forward, and she starts moving her stuff right back out of her daughter's house into her own house. Uh, she's nowhere near as, uh, you know, it was life-changing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And to be blunt, you know, we're talking about $2 worth of medicine here. Yeah. Yeah, your friend, uh, <laughs> he mu- his ex-wife must have phoned him and thanked him. Yeah, I'm thinking so. That's a great story. Yeah, that's that's you know, great. When it comes to glaucoma, you got your ocular pressure, and of course that requires a doctor to check. But when you know when you're talking about diabetes, you got your sugar level you can test at home. When you're talking about blood pressure, uh, that's something we can test at home. Uh, but point being, no matter I shouldn't say no matter, but most things that we're trying to treat with cannabis oil are, are trackable through these kinds of tests or these kinds of things, whether it's through uh, blood levels or the simple things I just mentioned. Uh, so when we're using cannabis oil, you know it, we. We don't necessarily have to uh, rely on upon ourselves or our own opinion. Uh, you know, we can make sure that it's a matter of fact. You know, if my blood sugar isn't where it needs to be, then perhaps I do need to take my insulin. Uh, but most people that are on cannabis oil find that they need less and less insulin until they're not using it at all or, or whatever the case may be. And I'm sorry I went off on a little tangent there, but, uh, you know, I think that's something that's important to understand. To get, bring it back around to your, to your friend there, you know, we can start at a very, very low dose. Uh, and work our way up because we can see where this stuff is going to start working and where it's not working. Uh, the biggest recommendation for somebody like that, it's already been scared. Or if you're dealing with somebody that you don't want to uh, have that experience, uh, there's nothing wrong with starting out very, very low uh, and, and, and going up. You that's, know. that's great. So we can find that on your website, which is Seed to Cure, uh, Seed and the number two cure.org, Seed to Cure.org. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, we've got two recipes on there for cannabis oil, and one is for making pure cannabis oil. Uh, the second one is the cannabis-infused coconut oil there. So, Pete, share a little about uh, what Seed to Cure is for people who aren't aware. Seed to Cure uh, it was something that was built by myself and, uh, like I said, my partner, Jen, that I mentioned earlier, uh, Jennifer Cook. Uh, and we started Seed to Cure uh, because of our own personal experiences with cannabis oil. Uh, at cannabis camp, I'm making these batches of cannabis oil. I'm giving them away, uh, sharing them with all these people, so on and so forth. Well, I became uh, fairly well known for my work with cannabis oil, uh, uh, and became uh, a member of Phoenix Tears. I served on the board of uh, the Phoenix Tears Foundation for a while uh, with Corey and Rick and Bob and Janet, those guys. Uh, and uh, when I left, see, uh, when I left uh, uh, Run from the Cure. Uh, cannabis camp was kind of a thing of the past, uh, and I was looking for uh, a fresh start, a clean slate, so to start, so to speak. Uh, so we built Seed to Cure as a vehicle, uh, not only for ourselves, but for anybody uh, that wants to learn uh, about cannabis oil. Uh, right now, it is a uh, information only, and it always has been a uh, website. There's nothing for sale on there. Uh, it was a way for us to share our personal experience, our experience, strength, and hope, as we like to say. Uh, with others. Uh, we used it to host uh, a lot of the videos that we uh, produced along the way, uh, everything from patient testimonials to uh, how to make oil, uh, uh, things of that nature. Uh, since then, we've taken some of, uh, most of those down. Uh, we're in the process of rebuilding our website with a little different perspective. Uh, but uh, most importantly, uh, it's there to serve uh, as that vehicle for the patient that gets that diagnosis finds a little bit about cannabis oil and wants to learn more. Uh, and, and, and that's it in a nutshell. 
Pete, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Great to meet you and the wonderful work you're doing. And uh, you and Corey are sh- surely an inspiration to everyone in just in the way you help people uh, without payment. And it, it's great to hear. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. And it's always uh, always great to be with Corey. That's for sure. We got a lot of love for that lady. Uh-huh. And, uh, pleasure to be with you as well. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.